So if you will turn with me, and it's just, you know, something that uh, Sister Debbie mentioned, the doctor saying something about Job, because we're going to go to the book of Job this morning. And I want you to turn with me to the 23rd chapter of the book of Job. So Job chapter 23. And I'm going to begin reading this morning from the first verse. And we are going to be talking a little bit about Job. So Job chapter 23, verse number 1. And Job answered and said, Even today my complaint is bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Another translation says, His hand is heavy despite my groanings. And Job says, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him, and I would fill my mouth with arguments. And I would know the words which he would answer me, and I would understand what he would say to me. And then Job asks a question, will he, God, will he plead against me? Will he work against me with his great power? And Job answers his own question and says, no, that's not my experience with God. No, but he would put strength in me. There, there at his throne, there in his presence, there the righteous may dispute with him. So should I be delivered forever from my judge. But Job says, I have a problem. Verse 8. Behold, I go forward and he is not there. I go backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hides himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. And verse 10 he says, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth. As gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. He says, I have even esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And I'm going to stop reading right there this morning. Ask that you bow your heads and we will pray together and ask the Lord for his help and for his anointing. Father, we are thankful today for the opportunity that we have to come together in the house of the Lord. We are thankful that we have sensed the presence of your Holy Spirit and we are grateful this morning, God, for the fact that we Know that you are here in our midst with us. We come to the ministry of the word today. 
And I readily admit and readily confess that in my own ability, I'm over my head. I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. But if you will anoint me, if you will touch me and give me capability, bless me to be a blessing. Put your thoughts in my mind, your words in my mouth, and let them come forth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Then I know, Lord, that we will all be challenged and touched and blessed. Give me liberty here in the house of God to speak your word today. Inspire what is spoken. Let Christ be glorified. Let the people of God be edified. And let our hearts be enriched through the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit today. And we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. So I want to title the message this morning, The Withdrawn Presence of God. The Withdrawn Presence of God. As we begin today, I will ask you a question. Have you ever prayed in your life and you felt like that your prayer went no higher than the ceiling? Have you ever prayed and you felt like the heavens were brass and that your prayer was futile and no one heard? Have you ever prayed and you felt like that no one heard or that no one paid attention, no matter how hard you prayed, no matter how sincere you were? No matter how dedicated you were or prayerful you had been about the situation, has there ever been a time in your Christian experience that you have set yourself to seek the Lord and you have called upon the name of the Lord and it just did not feel like you could get the breakthrough that you were looking for? Well, let me just tell you this morning, right up front, welcome to the club. Because you are not the first, and if the Lord tarries, I assure you, you will not be the last. I submit to you this morning that it is during this time of testing and trial that God finds out what we are made of and we find out how faithful God is. Hello? I said I submit to you this morning when you, when you have set your heart to seek the Lord and it feels like you can't get the breakthrough that you are looking for and it feels like your prayer went no higher than the ceiling and then fell right back down in your lap. Uh, amen. When you feel like amen, no one heard it, I tell you, that's when God finds out who you are and what you're made of. And we also find out how faithful our God is. So this morning, I'm going to preach to you a little something that you probably don't hear very often. 
In fact, you may, you may have doubt that I'm even on the right track, so I ask you to pay careful attention. All right? So I'm going to make a statement of fact. There are times in our Christian experience with God that God will purposefully withdraw his presence from us to try our hearts. Now, wait a minute, Pastor Gary. Say that again. There are times in our Christian experience that God will purposefully withdraw his presence from our life in order to find out what is in our hearts. And you may be thinking to yourself, Pastor Gary, that's not scriptural. What about Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5 where God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. What about 1 Samuel 12 and 22 where God says, the Lord will not forsake his people. What about Psalms chapter 37 and verse number 28 where it says the Lord loves judgment and will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. What about Psalms 139 where the psalmist said in verse 7, where shall I go to escape from your spirit if I flee, amen, or try to flee from your presence if I ascend into the heavens uh, you are there if I make my bed in hell you are there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea even there your presence will be what about our covenant our new testament covenant promise lo I am with you always even to the end of the world are, are those promises not true and I tell you this morning that, yes, they are absolutely 100% true. All of these scriptures make it clear that God's presence or his physical presence will never leave us. But there are times that God will withdraw his conscious presence from us to try our heart. What we need to understand are these two things. That there is the physical presence of God and then there is the conscious presence of God. When we talk about the physical presence of God, we are talking about what the Bible calls the omnipresence of God. Omnipresence, what does that mean? It means that his physical presence fills this universe. That's why the psalmist could say, if I ascend into the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and try to fly away somewhere where you're not, even there I will find you. Because the omnipresence of God is everywhere. He fills this entire universe. There is no place that we could ever go, that his physical presence is not there. But we must also understand, and what I want to get across to you this morning, is that there are times 
in our Christian experience that God will withdraw his conscious presence from us. Meaning we become unaware or we cannot feel or we cannot sense his presence with us. When I say that sometimes God withdraws his presence, I do not mean that he forsakes us because he will never forsake us. He will never withdraw his physical presence from us. But there are times that he allows us to become unaware of his presence. Are you following what I'm saying? Need an example. How about Jesus hanging on the cross? And there in that moment, as he hangs between heaven and earth, somewhere between noon and three o'clock, Jesus said these words, Eli, Eli, Lamo Shabbatani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Was the physical presence of God not there? Yes. But Christ Jesus became unaware of the presence of his father. Let me give you a few more verses to consider. The psalmist says in Psalm 69 and verse 16, Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn not or turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Listen to verse 17. Hide not thy face from your servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw near unto my soul and redeem me. Deliver me from my enemies. The implication is that to this individual that's writing this psalm, he feels like God is somewhere far away. He says, Lord, do not hide your face from me. Draw near to me. The implication is that God seemed to be distant from him. Psalms 143 and verse 7. This psalmist writes and says, Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me. Psalms 13 and 1 says, How long, O God, wilt thou forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? Psalms uh, amen, 10 and 1 said, Why stand you afar off, O God? Why do you hide yourself from me in my time of trouble? Where are you? I prayed and my prayer went rare and then came right back. And I'm in trouble and I need to know where you are. Isaiah 64 and 7. And there is none that call upon the name of the Lord or that stirs himself up because you, oh God, have hid your face from us. Turn to 2 Chronicles. Turn with me. I want you to read this one with me. Turn to 2 Chronicles. Chapter 32, verse number 1. Now, if you find Corinthians, you're in the other end of the book. So, 2 Chronicles, 
Chapter 32, verse 31. Let me give you a little historical context. It's talking about Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a very wealthy man, but he was also an arrogant man. So it's 2 Chronicles 32, verse 31. 2 Chronicles 32 and 31. Hezekiah is a godly man. He's, he's, he's a good king. He's a godly individual. God blessed him with many, many blessings. You could read about it there in 2 Chronicles. But he was also a man that was filled with pride. And there was a wonder. I don't. The scripture doesn't exactly tell us what that wonder was. But there was a wonder that had transpired in the land. It could have been that the clock went back or the sundial went back when God sent Isaiah back in to pray for Hezekiah that he'd live. It could have been the fact that Sennacherib and his army had been imagine, unimaginably defeated by God, and you can read about that. Whatever the wonder was, the ambassadors from Babylon came to inquire of the wonder that had happened. And this is what the scripture says, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31. Howbeit in the business, or howbeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him Hezekiah to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. Now, I don't know what translation you're reading. That's the King James. God left him. Let me give you another translation, the God's word. God did this test to him to find out everything that was in Hezekiah's heart. The ESV says God left him, and I love this one, God left him to himself to find out what was in his heart. God left him to himself. Oh, God, don't ever leave me to myself. Oh, don't ever leave me to myself. You understand what I'm saying here this morning? There are times, yes, his physical presence never leaves us. He is always there. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is with us always. His physical presence never Leaves His physical presence, his omnipresence fills the universe at all times. But there are times that God withdraws himself, his conscious presence from us. And we become unaware, unattentive. When I was, when I, when, when I was raising three little boys, my wife and I, we... We had certain things that they could watch on television and certain things that they couldn't watch on television. They're just little. One afternoon, I'm laying back in my recliner, and I'm getting a little shut-eye. I was studying. I was meditating. <laughs> and and, and I, I happened to just kind of, you know, wake up just a little bit and I saw a program coming on the television 
that we had told the kids that they could not watch. And I started to say something. I started to say, hey, y'all turn that channel and turn that off. And something just stopped me. And I thought, you know, uh, they have no idea that I'm listening or that I'm watching. I'm just going to see what they will do. I am just going to just hold my, that's God. God sometimes withdraws his conscious presence from us so he can find out what's in our heart. And you know, not just so he can find out what's in our heart, but so that we can know what's in our heart. And so I'm, I'm, I'm laid back there in the recliner and my oldest one, grabs the TV controls, and, and he said the same thing I would have said. He said, we're not allowed to watch that. Turn that mess off. <laughs> and I went, good job, son. boy. You understand what I'm saying? That's God. He removes his conscious presence from us. We don't feel him. We don't sense him. We don't, we can't touch. We can't, we, we don't know. Amen. Where, and God says, I just want you to know what's in your heart. I want to find out when you're up against something, when you're up against hard times, when you're, when your test is there or when your faith is being tested and when you're being put to the trial, what are you going to do? Amen. What are you going to do when you face the reality of the test? God left Hezekiah. The scripture is saying that God withdrew his conscious presence from Hezekiah and he became unaware. Want another illustration? How about Job himself? Job, the wealthiest man. If you were to read the first and second chapters of the book of Job, you would find out how wealthy he was. The Bible called him the greatest man of the East. His wealth at that time, it wasn't measured by, you know, how much he had down at First Security or, you know, in Wells Fargo Bank. It, wealth, it was, it was counted as in sheep and oxen and herds and flocks. And, and Job had everything. His, his wealth would have accumulated to more than a million dollars, even in our day and age. So think about what kind of wealth Job had. And in one day... You can read about it in Job chapter 1. In one day, he lost everything. He lost it all. The Bible says in Job chapter 1, verse 13, and there was a day, there was a day, and I'm telling you, when you get to the end of the day, that I mean, that's a big statement. There was a day. Because in that one day, the Bible says that there came a messenger to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the asses were feeding behind, by, beside the oxen and the sabins came and they fell upon all of the servants that were there and they took all of your oxes, all of your donkeys and they slew all of your servants and I am the only one that escaped. Now, that would have been a bad day, right? But the Bible says that while that servant yet spake, while he was still speaking, another servant came and said to him, Job, 
I don't know how to tell you this, but the fire of God has fallen from heaven and it has burned up all of your sheep and all of your servants that watch the sheep. And I'm the only one that escaped. And I am here to tell you about it. Twice in one day. But that is not the end of the story. The Bible says, and while he yet spake, another servant comes and says, the Chaldeans, uh, amen, fell upon us and they carried away all of the camels uh, and they slew all of the servants that watched the camels. They slew them and I am the only one that escaped. How many of you would just go, time out? Enough. Talk about a bad day. But the Bible says, and while he yet spake, all in one day, while he yet spake, another servant comes and says to him, Job, your ten children, your seven sons and your three daughters, they were all at your eldest son's house, and the four winds of the earth smote the house, and the house fell upon them, and your children are all dead. Talk about a bad day. Talk about a bad day, but it wasn't over yet. Because if you continue reading, the Bible said that Job's body was stricken with sickness and he had boils all over his body from head to toe. He sat in a pile of ashes. And when Debbie said, I don't want to be like Job's wife, here's why she said it. Because Job's wife come by and looked at him and said, you are pathetic. Why don't you just curse God and die? And you know what Job said to her? You speak like a foolish woman. You speak like a foolish woman. In other words, I still have my hope anchored in God. I still have my hope anchored in the Lord. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care what the enemies rub. I still have my faith in God. Hmm. Amen. If you continue to read Job Amen. The Bible says that he comes to the place of our text. And he says, I, 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 I still have my faith in God, but I sure wish I knew where I could find him. Because lately I ain't finding him like I need to find him. He says in verse 3, Oh, that I knew where I might find him. I would come even to his throne. Job is saying, I am going through hell and going through the trial of my life and I cannot find God. If I could just find him, if I could feel his presence, if I could feel the assurity of knowing that he is here, I would come to his throne and I would, I would order my cause. I would lay out my case before him. Amen, I would come to his seat and I would order my cause and I would fill my mouth with arguments. 
Amen. Job is saying, if I could just find him, I would give him an earful. <laughs> I would order my call. I would lay it out. God, this ain't fair. This ain't right. I would fill my mouth with arguments. I would set the record straight. I would tell God I don't deserve this. Hello? I'd fill my mouth with arguments. And then he says, and I would know what he would say to me. I would, I would understand why I'm going through. Have you ever been a, in a place in your life where you were going through some stuff and you didn't even understand why you were going through some of the stuff you were going through? And you said to yourself, if I could just pray and get a hold of the hem of his garment, if I could just pray and feel the presence of God and know that everything would be all right, I would trust the Lord, but I just can't find him. Job said, if I could find him, I'd lay out my case and I would know what he would say to me. I know that he would help me. Job says, I know that if I could only find God, I would tell him my side of the story. And I know what he would answer me. He says in verse 6, will he plead against me with his great power? And then he answers his own question, no. That's not the God that I've served all these years. The God that I've served all these years, if I could just find him and share with him my side of the story, he would strengthen me. He would uphold me with the right hand of his righteousness. He would strengthen me. He would put faith in my heart. He would help me. And Job says, but the problem is I go forward and he's not there. I go forward and he's not there. I go backward and I cannot perceive him. Just some weeks ago, there was a message preached from this pulpit and Sandy spoke that message about a friend that, you know, had come to her and said, where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? I'm telling you sometimes, beloved, that God withdraws his conscious presence from us so that he can find out what's in our heart and so that he might know, amen, what is in us and, and we might know ourselves what is in our own hearts. Job says, I go forward and he's not there. I go backward. I got to thinking maybe I left him somewhere along the way. And so I turned back and re-walk re my steps and I can't find him there. Amen. I've been to the left hand where he does work. I can, I can see him working in the lives of everybody else around me. But he ain't working in mine. How many of you here this morning ever just looked around and you could see the blessings of God being applied to other folks' life and you were like, Lord, I appreciate the fact that you're blessing so-and-so, but what about me? Hello? Job says, I've been to the left where he does work. I can see working over there. And I've been to the right, but he hides himself that I cannot see. Job says, if I could just find him, 
I could, I could lay out all of my problems, all of the circumstances, all of the situations, but I've been forward and I've been back. I've been to the left and I've been to the right. I've looked up and I've looked down and I can't find or feel his presence any longer. I can't see him working in my life like he's working in other folks' life. So the question, it forces us to ask the question, what do you do when you cannot find or you cannot feel the conscious presence of the Lord? What do you do when the presence of, be of God becomes so limited that we no longer feel as if he is with us, as if our prayer only reaches the ceiling and comes back down? What do we do when we feel like there is a limited, the, number one, the Bible says that we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. And let me just add, we walk by faith and not by what we feel. I love the feel, but we don't walk by feel, we walk by faith. So what do you do? It forces us to ask the question, what do you do when you're in the midst of trouble? And in the midst of trial, and you've been forward, and you've been back, and you've been left, and you've been right, and the conscious presence of God is no longer, amen, making itself manifest in your life. What do you do when God's conscious presence has been withdrawn? Here's what Job said, and here's what Job did. Verse 10. Job said, I, I may not be able to feel him and I may not be able to find him. But verse 10, he says, but he knows the way that I take. That is the most powerful statement. He knows the way that I take. In other words, Job is saying, I may not be able to sense his presence. I may not be able to feel him like I want to feel him. My prayer may go no higher than the ceiling. Amen. But here's what I'm going to do about all of that. I'm going to keep walking in the right path. He knows the way that I take. And my way is his way. I'm going to continue to do what I know scripture tells me is right. He knows the way that I take. In other words, I'm going to continue to remain faithful. I'm going to keep holding on to the hand of God. I'm going to keep holding on and trusting that even though there doesn't seem to be a way out, my God is going to make a way out. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, when he finds out what's in my heart and when he allows me to see what's in my heart and when the test is over, I'm going to come forth as gold. I'm going to come forth. I said a couple of weeks ago from this pulpit that untried faith is useless. Your faith has to be tested. Untested faith will not get you very far. No, it's easy to shout hallelujah when everything's going well. 
But it's another thing to find your hallelujah when everything ain't going so good. Hello? Job says he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. My foot. I don't know why Job said foot, because he, he had feet. My feet have held his footsteps. In other words, what he is saying is I ain't deviated off of the right path. I'm not going to deviate out of the right way. I'm going to continue to walk. I have kept his way. His way have I kept and not declined. Verse 12, neither have I gone back on the commandments of his lips. In fact, Job says, I have esteemed his words, amen, more than my necessary food. In other words, amen, I'm going to continue to be faithful. I'm going to continue to walk. I may not sense the presence of the Lord, amen, as I desire to right now. I may be going through some things in my life that I don't understand, and I may not see seem to be getting the breakthrough that I desire. But irregardless, amen, whatever happens, I am going to remain faithful to God. Job is saying he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I'm going to come forth as pure gold. Beloved, what do we do when we are afflicted and we are... Amen. We are experiencing trials and tribulations and we cannot feel the presence of the Lord like we desire. We don't have those Holy Ghost doodads, you know, going up and down our spine. We don't feel the presence of God in our life. I submit to you that the thing that we do is understand that weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning if we just keep our faith in Christ. Amen. I submit to you to be faithful and hold fast. Hebrews 10 and 23 says, hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful who promised. Well, I gave you Jesus as an example on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He couldn't feel the conscious presence of his father. But that wasn't the end of the story. How many of you remember early Sunday morning? The stone rolled away and he got up and come out of the grave. How about Job? Well, if you continue, you know, reading the story of Job, Job chapter 23 ain't the end of the story. When you get to verse or chapter 44 or 42 in, in verse 1, you get to start reading about how that God gave back to Job seven times more than he had in the beginning. He, he added to the life of Job everything that he lost. What I'm saying this morning is that there may be times that you are tested and you are tried and you may ask yourself, where is God in all of this? I'm telling you this morning, he's right there. His physical presence hasn't left you. You may not feel him the way you desire to feel him and get the breakthrough that you desire to get at that moment. But just hang on. 
Prove your heart to be faithful. Prove your heart to be faithful, to be, amen, humble before the Lord and seeking after God. You may not understand it all. In fact, I submit that you probably won't. But I will tell you that I believe that God will bring you out on the other end with a victory in your heart. A victory in your heart, a song in your heart, and a testimony of his grace and his might and his power. So what do you do? You remain faithful to the Lord. You continue to walk in his path. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed here this morning. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I'm going to ask them to play that same chorus or that same song that we began with. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you cannot find or feel the presence of the Lord and the enemy sits on your shoulder and says, where is your God now? Raise a hallelujah. Up from the ashes, let hope arise. The enemy has already been defeated. He's already been defeated this morning. Amen. Take comfort in the fact that your God is still on the throne. Your God still upholds you with the right hand of his righteousness. Amen. Take comfort in the fact that he will minister to your need. You may endure for a while, but joy will come in the morning. Let hope come into your heart this morning. Let the Spirit of the Lord bring, amen, a fresh amount of faith and comfort to your heart today. Bow your heads and let's pray, Jesus. Lord, we are so grateful that your physical presence never leaves us and never forsakes us. That you are with us even in the midst of our troubles and even in the midst of our trials. Lord, we may be going through a time of testing and we may be going through a time where we are being tried and and Lord, you may be even revealing some stuff to us that's in our heart that we didn't even know was there and you may be finding out some things about us in this uh, that, amen, you didn't know before but God, here's what I pray. I pray that when the night is over that up from the ashes you will cause them to rise. And that you will give them the desires of their heart. And pray, Father, in Jesus' name. That when we come forth, we're going to come out of this thing as pure gold. We're going to come out tested and tried. We're going to come out true and faithful. Just like our Christ. Touch every heart. Touch every heart this morning, I pray. Minister to every need today. 
Let the anointing of God fall upon those that are ill and they need to be healed. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will let the anointing of the Holy Spirit bring health and life from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. Let every discouraged heart be filled with joy for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let every individual, Lord, that's bound this morning shake off the heavy bands and be loosed by the anointing of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Stand to your feet all over the building this morning and slip your hands right up to him and begin to raise a hallelujah in this house. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory to God.